Hello, friend. My name is Denise Renner, and I'm so happy to welcome you to my program today. I think we have something very important to talk about today, and that is our heart of worship, our attitude, our heart, our adoration of Jesus. And we see in the Bible a very powerful story, which I want to talk to you about today. But before we start, I want to ask you if you need prayer. We believe in the power of God. We believe that he does miracles. We believe that he does miracles today. I am a miracle right in front of your eyes. God has touched my body in so many ways and healed me. And because he's healed me, he's no respecter of persons. That power that he touched my life with, it's the same power that he wants to touch your life with or your child with or your husband with. He's not trying to keep his power away from you. He's trying with all he's done on the cross in hell for us to get this power to us. So please let us know how we can pray for you and we will agree with you. And if God's doing something special in your life, I certainly want to hear about that because it encourages me to know that you believe, that you receive and the Bible says in Revelations chapter 5, Revelations chapter 12, verse 11, that we overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. When we give our testimony, those very words defeat the devil in somebody else's life. So let us know what God is doing in your life. We'll turn with me to Luke chapter 7. And Jesus, oh, in chapter 7, he's already done so many amazing things already. He's already uh, healed a servant of a centurion that was almost dying. And all he did was say the word and the servant was healed. Then he went a little farther in his journey and he raised a, a dead boy from the dead. He, the boy was in the funeral. I mean, he is the funeral. They're going to bury him. His mother is a widow. His mother, this is her only son. And Jesus has compassion on her. And he raises her son from the dead. It's an amazing chapter. And then we go on a little further. And Jesus talks about the Pharisees. He talks about um, John the Baptist, he talks that, that the John the Baptist was received by tax collectors and by other people. But in verse 30, it says the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the will of God. Well, and then Jesus begins to speak. I think well, he's speaking to all the people, but I think he's speaking to the Pharisees. And, and Jesus says in verse 34, he says, the son of man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So this is the opinion of these Pharisees. And I, 
I can't not even imagine that he is accusing Jesus of being a uh, of drinking and being a glutton and the and if you study it further he's he is accusing Jesus of being a drunkard if you've ever seen anybody drunk or or I'm sorry to be graphic but many times they it's not so glamorous they they're they throw up they wake up sick it's an, it's an addiction. If you've ever been around somebody who says, I can't quit, I have to have it. I've had experience many times in drug and alcohol hospitals. I've looked in the face of women who lost their children because they couldn't quit drinking. And we look at these kind of people like, you know they're second class because they they can't be uh, they can't control themselves, but something else is controlling them. Well, Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, He is being accused of being a drunkard. When I thought about that, I thought, Oh dear God, you came from heaven. And you subjected yourself to so much abuse, even being accused of being a drunkard and being a glutton. But then I see in that that the, the person who is addicted to alcohol, the person who is addicted to drugs, Jesus is your answer. He's the one who can deliver you from that. And he's the only one. And he's the only one that understands your problem completely. He's the only one who can deliver you. That is our God. He doesn't stand back from us. Oh, you're too dirty. Oh, you're too filthy. Oh, you have too many problems. I can't be around you. I can't touch you. No, he says, come close to me and I will bring mercy and help to you in your very time of need. Jesus doesn't stand back from you. Jesus wants to draw close to you in whatever it is that you need. So we see Jesus here. He's just been accused by these Pharisees of uh, being a drunkard and a glutton and, uh, and being a friend of tax collectors. He probably was a friend to tax collectors and sinners. And then Jesus says in verse 35, but wisdom is justified by all her children. Now, out of these Pharisees, one of them invites Jesus to his house for lunch. Verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. Well, this Pharisee invites Jesus to eat. Now look at verse 37. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner... When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flax of fragrant oil. Now, I want to point out some things. Now, this woman, 
I mean, the Bible calls her a sinner. She must have had some kind of reputation about herself that in this town, she was considered a great sinner. And, but she knows, and it's evident, that she knows that the only answer for her is Jesus. And the reason I say that is because for a, a woman like this to enter the house of a Pharisee is like the most humiliating thing because she knows that that Pharisee, that he considers her as dirt under his feet, that she's absolute trash, that he keeps the law, and she is a great sinner. But this woman, her desire, her need, her faith is so great that she pushes past all that ridicule, all that embarrassment to get to Jesus. And we know that we know we, she heard about Jesus because she heard he was, he was in his house. And also we know that she believed something because she brought this expensive oil to pour out on him. Um, she doesn't, I, I don't think she really cares what those Pharisees think of her. She's so desperate to be touched by the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever been in that place where you just said, forget it. I don't care what people think about me. I am so desperate for God that I am going to do all that I can to seek him. And the opinions of others, I don't really care what you think about me. I think that's what was inside of her. Because for her to subject herself to the opinions of these Pharisees and these men sitting around this table, it is huge. There is something deep down inside of this woman's heart crying out for help and she knows that her only help is Jesus. Oh, it's amazing. You know, I want to ask you that question. Do you know that your only answer is Jesus? Do you know that? Do we really believe that? That he loves us that much? That he cares that much? And he's that powerful that he would break through everything to touch our lives and that he is the answer. He is the answer. You know, she did not cry. The Bible says that she cried. Okay. Let's read verse 37. Okay. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table, in the Pharisee's house brought an alabaster flax of fragrant oil. Verse 38. And stood at his feet behind him weeping and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the, her hair of her head and she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. So we know that 
she didn't come there for the Pharisees. She came there for Jesus. She's not crying because of the Pharisees. She's crying because she's overwhelmed by the presence of Jesus. You know, many years ago, a couple of centuries ago, there was a man named Smith Wigglesworth. He was a great evangelist. He raised several people from the dead. And he was filled with the power of God. And the, uh, the historians say it's written in books that he would, he, he would even get on trains to go somewhere to minister. He was so filled with the presence of God that people would come to him on the train and say, I need God. I need to repent. Smith Wigglesworth didn't say one word. He didn't preach. He didn't say one word. But the power of God was so evident in him that, that they were repenting. I believe that this woman was overwhelmed by the presence of Jesus and that she brought her expensive oil. We know that. But then when she got with him, near him, she, she must have gotten on her knees because her tears are so close to her feet, his feet that she's crying enough that it's wetting the feet of Jesus. And then she takes her hair and she's drying his feet of the tears that are all over his feet, washing the dust off of his feet. And as those tears are there wetting his feet, she leans over even further and she hangs her hair down. And now she's drying his feet with her hair. Then the Bible says that she started kissing his feet. I read in, in one commentator that she took his feet in her hands and that she caressed his feet, and that she began to kiss his feet. Then after she was kissing his feet, she poured that most expensive oil on his feet. What a display of worship that we see upon Jesus from this woman who people called a sinner. Well, this woman, she came to see Jesus. Now, can you imagine with this heart of worship, can you imagine what is going on in the heart of this hard-hearted Pharisee? I'm sure he's absolutely disgusted that she interrupted the lunch. She interrupted everything. Who is she? She's the dirt under my feet. She's filthy. And she's washing this man's feet with her tears and drying them with her hair. And, oh, she's kissing his feet. How disgusting. And now what is she doing? She's pouring out that expensive oil on his feet. Why is she doing that in my house? And he's thinking to himself, the Bible says, he thinks to himself, he says to himself, he says, doesn't he know, talking about Jesus, let's just read it. Let's just read it. It's verse 39. 
This man, this is what he says to himself. This man, talking about Jesus, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who's touching him, for she is a sinner. Verse 40. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. And then Jesus begins to talk about a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, both of them had nothing to pay, the um, creditor freely forgave them both. And then Jesus says, Simon, tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who, forgave, who was forgiven more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Now, in this story, both of them owe a debt. One owes 500, one owes 50. But they're both in the same position. Let's say that Jesus is even saying, this woman, she does owe 500 compared to your 50. But you're both in the same position because neither one of you can pay. So what are you going to do? But see, the creditor, he forgave their debt. Well, Jesus said, he went on to say, that this woman, that she loved much. You know, this woman, she may have owed 500 and he may have owed 50. But she went away from there forgiven. And, and this woman, that Pharisee, he didn't know who Jesus was. But that woman, in her heart, somehow, she knew who he was. And she came to worship him. And she was overwhelmed by his presence. Jesus notices when we're thankful. He made much about her display of thanksgiving and worship. And I want to read it to you. Verse 44, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven you. And those at the table, they began to say to themselves, who is this? See, they don't know who he is. Who is this who even forgives sins? Verse 50. Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. 
go in peace. I want to say to you, friend, it's what you believe. What do you believe about Jesus? Do you believe that he loves you? Do you believe he did everything to get salvation to you, healing to you, deliverance to you, peace to you? This woman, she, she didn't know very much, but she knew one thing, and she believed that Jesus was the answer. And when she came to him, she was overwhelmed by his presence. And she worshipped him. Jesus spoke about the difference between her attitude and Simon's attitude. Jesus notices when we're thankful and then when we're not thankful. He noticed when the ten lepers, he healed ten. And nine of them went away, and only one came back. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, he said, where are the other nine? Jesus notices when we're thankful. And I want to ask a question. Does our gratefulness, and I'm asking this to myself not just to you, I'm asking to myself. Does our gratefulness impress Jesus? Do we plan, do we make plans to do something to glorify him? Does our worship cost us anything? This woman, her worship cost her a lot. It cost her her pride. It cost her maybe... Uh, being humiliated by those Pharisees that were looking down on her and judging her and criticizing her. It cost a lot of money to pour out this ointment that she had saved, to pour it out on him. My question to you, my question is to me, what are we doing that cost us something to worship him? What are we doing to plan to worship him? To, in our day, your busy day, do you have a plan? Is there a plan in there that you made room for him? A plan to listen to him, a plan to talk to him. That woman, she planned, and that woman she didn't go away empty-handed. And I want to say to you, friend, when we come to him, we worship him, we never go away empty-handed. Never. Never. When you open your heart to him, and when you say, like this woman, she believed, and you say, Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I believe. And I believe you're my only answer. And I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. You're worthy of my worship. You're worthy of my praise. 
And we open our heart and we just begin to worship him. And we just begin to tell him how beautiful he is. And we begin to tell him how wonderful he is. You know what he does? He comes. His presence comes. Because we acknowledge him. His presence. I feel his presence right now. Why? Because we're acknowledging him. We're acknowledging how great and wonderful he is. And he is great and wonderful. And he is the answer for whatever it is that you need. I want to pray with you right now. And maybe you're not accustomed, but Bible says to lift up holy hands. And they're holy. Your hands, if you're a Christian, your hands are holy because of the blood of Jesus. But to lift up holy hands. Lord, right now, we lift up our holy hands. We acknowledge the presence. Your presence. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your power coming on our body right now. We acknowledge your holy presence. In your presence is everything good. God is touching somebody right now with his healing power. Just take that healing power. Just take that healing power. That is the heart of God for you. His heart is not that you remain in that sickness. His heart is to deliver you from that sickness. Receive his power right now. Oh, Father, we give you all the praise and we give you all the glory. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things. And to you are all things. You deserve the glory. That's his presence. Receive from him. I love spending this time with you. And I'll see you next time. When we speak more about the presence of God and about acknowledging that presence and worshiping Him. All of us want our relationships to grow and improve. For example, don't you want your marriage to be in better shape than it is right now? Even if things are going well, you probably see areas where it could be improved, right? In this candid 16-part series, Denise Renner hilariously and compassionately reveals areas where all of us can do better in our relationships and especially in our marriages. Sometimes little changes make big differences. Titles in this series include, Help, My Mouth is Making Trouble for Me. Who is in control here? My mouth or me? I thought I was supposed to change it. Help me, Lord. I need to forgive. I thought I had already reached my forgiveness quota. Rick Renner says, This series is so awesome. Every person will laugh their way to transformation as Denise candidly addresses areas where we can all improve. This life-changing 16-part series is available in digital or physical formats, starting at just $25. We are also offering you Denise's companion book, 
Who stole Cinderella for just $15 with genuine warmth and candor? Denise recounts the journey of her own struggles in marriage and the unique insights she learned along the way to attaining emotional health and happiness. Your life will be enriched by biblical wisdom as Denise sheds light on your path to happily ever after and shows you right where to begin again if you've lost your way. Don't miss this special offer. The entire 16-part series, School of Cinderella, and the companion book, Who Stole Cinderella? Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. 1-800-227-5278. 